So I, I think it's important to note that, like, I would not recommend anyone go about diving into polyamory the way that I did. So I'll start with that disclaimer. And I'll preface it with up until me discovering, like, ethical non-monogamy, I was very much a person who was afraid of commitment. And I didn't want to commit and I didn't want to like work on things and stick around if like if like I would get into a relationship and once things became like argumentative and once there were problems, I would bail. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 155. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have an amazing interview with what? It's a surprise who it is because we were <laughs> we were wrong last week. That's true. So we made a mistake at the end of last week's episode, if you happen to be listening. If uh, you're one of those few who makes it to the very end, you were thinking today was Chloe and Drew 2.0. And you may have even listened to their episode in preparation. But you're caught up for next week. <laughs> yeah. You're so fine. That, their episode is actually coming out next week. We just had it wrong in our minds. So this week is Imani. And she has a beautiful story. She kind of talks a little bit about how not to get into non-monogamy but but also like she's crushing it yeah exactly like she the the amount of different sort of insights and topics and things she covers is a it's an amazing conversation and we're so grateful that she came on to share her story so you're gonna want to stay tuned for that but we do have a quick couple of quick announcements and the first couple are actually related to her story so Um, We were put in touch with Imani through Jeff, and his episode's coming out in a few months, but they worked on a... So you don't know who Jeff is? No. So you're not supposed to be like, Jeff, who the fuck's Jeff? No. That's probably what you're thinking. But the point is they're talking about a... Or they're putting together a movie. Yeah, a film called Romantic Chorus, and it's an animated film sort of diving into relationships, technology. A a lot of different things are kind of woven together. And it's a really cool project. We've seen a couple of snippets. We'll put some links in the show notes if you want to go check it out. Uh, look at the website, look at everything that's coming along. But Their Instagram and everything. Instagram, yeah. We're super excited to be sort of helping him promote this. And again, these aren't paid promotions. We just love love the work that they're putting out there. So uh, thank you to Imani for sharing her story on on the movie and thank you to Jeff for putting us in contact with her. And then the other piece is Imani also has started a a website, her own online store, and it's called Decadent Devices. Just a, just a quick note that device, it's spelled a little funny, so just head over to the show notes, use the links there. And she hooked us up while you're there surfing for all of your adult needs. Yes. Uh, not all of your adult needs, but maybe your adult device needs. <laughs> <laughs> you can't buy people on this website is what I'm saying. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> you went there. It's not, a, it's not for hiring sex no it's not it's for finding it's an adult toy website it's for finding devices to spoil yourself sure anyway the whole point emma what i was trying to say (laughs) before you interrupted me (laughs) is that she's hooked us up with well hooked you up hooked all of us up with a 20 percent discount uh, on anything you buy using the code emma e-m-m-a 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, so thank you so much to her for that. It's an awesome website. One of the things she's sort of, and she'll talk about this later, but she's really doing is trying to de-genderize. I don't know if that's the, a word, but basically it's... Just made it up. Yeah, I'm just winging it here. But it's really cool. Uh, so check it out. Support her work. Support Jeff's work. She's doing amazing work, and please go support her. That is the whole point. If they ever list, they're, they're probably turned us off by now. <laughs> I know, because be we're just rambling. Uh, a few community announcements. So we have... We'll keep them quicker than our yeah. uh, our discussion about the devices. Okay. No, our <laughs> November meet and greet was last week. Um, the virtual meet and greets are op- open to everyone and they're $10. It was incredible. We had almost 40 people join and we had a blast. Yeah. And there's going to be one in December. Everybody voted that we have to do it. So it's December 12th. Uh, We're not going to talk much more about it. Links are in the show notes if you want to learn more. Uh, A couple of other things, some some important dates for anybody who's an amazing part of the Patreon community. We've got the Q&A. We do monthly Q&As. That is coming up tonight, uh, November 18th. If you happen to miss it, there'll be one next month too. And there'll be a recording, uh, Mm -hmm. so you can check that out. There's a women's group call on December 9th, and there is a men's group call to be determined on a day in December. We haven't picked it yet because we just had the men's group call last night, so sorry, guys. Right. We'll get there. Right. But anyway, if you don't know what the hell we're talking about, we'll talk about it in the outro because we don't want to keep you forever, um, mainly because we spent so much time talking about (laughs) how how to describe... Imani's store. Sorry, Imani. We didn't mean to butcher that. <laughs> um, you can contact us. Find yeah, definitely. Show Reach out to us. Tell, send us hate mail about this intro at normalizingnonmonogamy.com. That's there's, our website. That's our website. Not our email. No, well, there's a link there to, so you can contact us. You can send us a voicemail even and yell at us. That's fine. Softly. Yell please, softly. Please don't yell at us. <laughs> You but we love, find, we love to hear from everybody. We do. We love getting emails and voice messages from everyone. Uh, we, you can also find podcast show notes on there and pictures of most of our guests by clicking on the podcast tab. And again, links to everything that Imani talks about and the movie and basically anything you could ever want is over there at normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Now let's go talk to Imani. All righty. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Imani, we're super excited to have you here. We were put in touch uh, with you by a guest that actually hasn't even published yet. Jeff, he's making a film called Romantic Chorus, and you are one of the many stars in the film. So we're excited to have you here to hear more about your story. And Jeff's episode will be out in a few weeks. Yeah, it'll be out in this in January. <laughs> in January, right. Well, along more with than the, a few weeks. <laughs> along with the film. But we're excited to have you here and hear your story. And Talk about some of the work you're doing, because you are doing some amazing stuff as well. So welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's amazing. And do you mind introducing yourself for the listeners who don't know that much about you, which presumably is most of them? (laughs) Okay. So my name is Imani Jahan. I use she, her pronouns. I am ethically non-monogamous or uh, polyamorous in most cases. I reside in Los Angeles, and I run a online web store, eShop, which is dedicated to, like, adult sexual health as well as toys and things of that nature. It's called Decadent Devices. Yeah, and that's pretty much a lot of what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Cool. That, that's amazing. We're, I want to definitely circle back to the store later because I want to hear more about it and, like, the inspiration behind it. Yeah. 
But do you mind taking us back to when you discovered non-monogamy or polyamory and and how you discovered that? Okay. So I, I think it's important to note that, like, I would not recommend anyone go about diving into polyamory the way that I did. So I'll start with that disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and I'll preface it with up until me discovering, like, ethical non-monogamy, I was very much a person who was afraid of commitment and I didn't want to commit and I didn't want to like work on things and stick around. If like, if like I would get into a relationship and once things became like argumentative and once there were problems, I would bail. Let's fast forward to 2013. I'm in a relationship with someone. The relationship was pretty much dead. We probably should have just broken up. But we decided to open up our relationship instead. And then I met someone. And very quickly after, I broke up with the person that I uh, was in the open relationship with. And that could have all been handled better. I don't recommend, you know, opening up a relationship that's broken just to find a way to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. That is a common way that people do approach non-monogamy sometimes, but it's not always. Yeah, yeah, it's the idea that maybe this will fix it, right? Right. Right. So had had you had a framework for, like, open relationships? Like, that's kind of an extreme place for somebody to go, though, right? Like, well, this isn't working. Let's just open it up and start seeing other people and see how that goes. So at that time, I was definitely starting to explore and learn about more about myself. I started getting into the kink community, started a fet life, and that was where I met that partner initially. And kind of through that route, the idea of non-monogamy was kind of lingering in the back of my head, just along the lines of like, at that time, it just seemed like maybe it might have been a kink or something like that. But that's where the idea kind of started. And then as I was in this relationship with this person, we were already kinky partners. So it just seemed like one, another thing that just add. Right. Okay. That makes total sense. Thank you for clarifying. Because I think sometimes it's, it's interesting, right? When people are like, well, we're just going to open this up and they don't have, we, we've recently talked to somebody who they didn't even know that non-monogamy was a thing. They just decided they were going to do it and they had no, <laughs> they didn't have any of the vocabulary, right, any of, yeah, any of the framework to make it happen. They just were like, well, we're going to do this thing. And they learned about it later. Right. So I will say, Yes, being kinky first gave me some of the tools that I needed, like at least like boundary setting and like a big part of the communication subset was already there. So that was very helpful once I made that transition from monogamy to non-monogamy. Right. Yeah. And so after you broke up with the partner that you had opened the relationship with, did you stay with the other partner that... Actually, yeah, we've been together ever since they live across the country now but we've pretty much been together ever since wow very wow. cool yeah <laughs> so, so then it's gone from there and yeah maybe you can talk a little bit about that where the next steps i guess so it was a very bumpy very bumpy beginning so i met this person and they were had been polyamorous for over a decade 
They knew all the things. So it was like great to have this person who could like, you know, hold my hand for all intents and purposes to a degree through this process. But at the same time, it's like, this person has all this experience, but I don't. And there's an imbalance in that. Right. So it it was a lot of pros and cons and it was bumpy at first. And I had a very immature mindset at first because I felt like, oh, I'm the only person that they're dating like seriously locally right now. So like, that's fine. I'm comfortable with that. I don't need, I'm like not threatened by anyone else. Right. Yeah. Because you were the closest, you were the default primary and all of the distant partners were the, the ancillary components. And even though like, and that was my mindset, even though for them, their mindset was very non-hierarchical. Right. So, you know, I'm in my own imaginary dream world (laughs) about what this is. And he's, you know, and living in reality. And it was, there was that part. And then there was also like, because of that, I was in a very much like have my cake and eat it too kind of mindset, which is not a great mindset to be in for Mm non-monogamy. But then once those other partners started kind of colliding with my reality, there were some things that I needed to like check with myself, check in with myself on personally and reflect on and grow and like get to that. Like essentially it was a journey into compersion for me, yeah, which is very important. And um, once I made that journey, things went a lot smoother. We were able to get to know each other deeper as partners and build upon um, intimacy. I became like friends with my metamors and like I love them and they're great and they're wonderful people. So like there was a lot of growth. There was a lot of growth. Yeah. Back at the beginning, were you like, was non-monogamy scary to you or were you excited for that growth and challenge that you're trying to go after? I don't, I don't know if it was scary per se. I guess I would say I was excited about it. I was excited that like, especially like I felt like, and I was in my early twenties at the time. So like, excuse me, but I felt very, I felt like more sophisticated than everyone else. I felt like <laughs> I am this, this, this intelligent being who has surpassed this right. notion of monogamy. I'm so much more evolved. And like, obviously that's a really stupid take to have, but <laughs> at the time, that's where, at the, in the beginning, that's where my head was. Yeah. And yeah. So well, even though it was bumpy, you were excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's also really interesting, and, and maybe you'd be willing to talk about this, that you were in a monogamous relationship. You opened it because that relationship wasn't working. You found this other person who was not monogamous. You ended the first relationship, but you didn't go back to monogamy. Like you just kept the non-monogamy as part of it when you broke up with the original yeah. person, which and I that just, may have been may have been because your new partner was polyamorous, so you kind of were introduced to it. Well, sure, I was uh, I was curious about. Yeah. So and and like again, that's why I preface this like before that point, I was very much a person who wasn't 
into committing to people and like I was always kind of looking like always looking I was always looking and didn't want to commit and like but I never but I was uh vehemently against like cheating Mm -hmm. sure vehemently against that so polyamory when I you know initially guys I was like oh that's that's part of why I had the have my cake and eat it too mentality in the beginning because like oh I can be who I am and like, you know, still look and keep my eyes open for things and still have, you know, a relationship with someone and it's okay. And it's not this like weird thing. Like, why are you looking at someone else or why are you hanging out with these people? Or, you know, there, those questions kind of went away. Those kind of things that felt like they were tying me down kind of weren't there. Yeah. 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 No, that makes total sense. And so how did it, how did it grow from that point when you said there was definitely some, some bumps along the way? Yeah. Like you, and you already mentioned that you did grow a lot. Like, do you mind expanding on that a little bit? Sure. So hmm, in the beginning, and it feels like it's forever ago. I know. Right. (laughs) So in the beginning there was, you know, we were hanging out a lot and, I was kind of like the only person they were seeing at the time, at least locally. And then maybe maybe a year into it, I'm introduced to this other person, their their other partner. And I'm like dealing I had to deal with that. And I knew at first I felt like kind of alone in it because it's like I didn't want to own up to that feeling that like kind of feeling of like inferiority or whatever. And I like, I blame a big uh, part of that on just like be roaming the world the way I do, just like in the body of like a black fat woman. So there's a lot of questioning about like of my worth and value. And that happened a lot in the beginning and especially comparatively to a partner, to a metamor who is, the complete opposite who is white and thin and that was like a lot it was a lot and but I managed to like like kind of I guess like hmm, I'm trying to find the proper proper words to phrase that the feeling of just like I I guess I became more confident in myself and more you know really understood my value and my actual worth and that led to me, you know, be, being able to get to a point where I could, you know, find compersion. I think, uh, like, for I feel like a lot of people, when they first start out, you know, I read The Ethical Slut, and that was, like, a big part of understanding the my metamors and understanding, like, this is not, these are, they're not a, comp, you know, my competition. Right. And I think, uh, especially, like, women, we go through this where it's like, and when a man's involved, it's a competition. Right. So unlearning yeah. that was like a big deal. Yeah. Well, and it, what you just touched on too is like the comparing yourself to another partner, it's easy to do and everyone I'm sure does it uh, to some extent. And when they're the like exact opposite of you in so many ways, it's really easy to get in your head about that. Of like, how can this person that I'm a part, like I'm in a relationship with also be attracted to someone else that doesn't look anything like me. Mm-hmm. And it's just, sometimes it's, it's really tough to wrap your mind around that. Yeah. It can be, but you know, it was, it was a process, but it was worth it. 
and I learned a lot, grew from it. I was able, you know, I'm still in a relationship with this person and those people are still a part of my life. So yeah. it's all great. And it's it's amazing that you were able to get there, like, you know, grow and push yourself to, like you said, you've now, so th- those people are some, you're really good friends with your metamors. And that's just incredible to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. It hasn't been all rainbows and sunshine. <laughs> like now, you know, now it's great. Cause I mean, like we talk when we can, but like for the most part, you know, we don't see each other because uh, outside of like the internet, but even before, while we were still living in the same area, I mean, there have been some issues uh, with other people, but, you know, working through them has been great. We've just always decided to, like, talk about them, to talk about things and kind of work through problems and, like, really understand and compromise. Compromise is a big deal. Yeah, and yeah. that was actually going to be one of my follow-up questions. It's like, how did you work through some of that stuff? So I want to say like a big thing about it is like really being honest and talking about the problem. And then once you know what the problem is, deciding if that's like a problem I need to fix. Like, is this an internal problem, something that I need to fix with me? Or is this a problem that this person needs to help me with? Like, do we both need to work together to fix this? So once you make that determination, then like if it's a problem we both need to fix, then usually, you know, we both come up with ideas of what we, how we can compromise or what we can do that would make us both happy. And in most cases, it works out where we're, we come to, you know, reasonable uh, agreements and it works out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, thank you for elaborating on that. And I was, I was just curious, when you kind of became friends with your metamorph who you talked about being like the polar opposite of you and physical mm-hmm. appearance. Did she ever express to you that she had the same doubts and self-conscious beliefs that you did because you were the complete opposite of her? I don't want to say, I'll say no to that, but there was a time where like when we were getting to know each other that she did reveal to me like the kind of doubts that she had about like, who the person she is in her body. And it was like very, it was a very relatable experience and it was something that brought us closer together. Yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's amazing because like, even though she didn't phrase it exactly like I did, but that you both had the same sort of internal doubts, yet you're two completely different people who are being loved by the same person. Like you have this common touch point. Right. And which is just, it's, it's such an amazing, like, thing to try to process. So I, I appreciate you talking about it a little bit. Yeah, I think one of, one of my favorite things about having, like, metamorphs that I'm close with, another one of our metamorphs that I, one of my metamorphs that I'm really close with, I love that, like, we can talk about the partner we have in common. And it's, we can talk about these, like, if there is an issue, it be like, hey, so-and-so did this, and, like, usually we'll, like, laugh and joke about it. And it's nice to, like, have someone who understands my partner the way I do, and we can laugh and joke about them and make fun of them. And it's, you know, it's totally okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they love that. <laughs> that's what they get for having two partners, though. That's my, that's my Yeah, opinion. they knew what they signed up for. They signed up, <laughs> uh, you know, they signed up for the jokes. So. That's right. Exactly. Along this journey, have you started to, as you said, have your cake and eat it too? Have you started to 
see other partners and form other relationships? So, yes. I haven't had any that lasted as long, but I have had some throughout these last few years. Uh, Within the last year specifically, I found a new partner who, again, now it's another long-distance partner because they live in San Francisco and I live in L.A. But, again, they're great. We make it work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. How was it when you started exercising your ability to go and meet other people? Because that's right. It's one thing to watch your partner have mm-hmm. other partners, but then it's your turn to try it on and go and do it. How did that go for you? I think I want to say it just felt it felt normal. It felt like this is what I was supposed to be doing. So I can't, I don't, I don't want to say I like, I didn't have any grand stirring feelings about it. It just felt like, oh, this is how it should be done. This is what I should be doing because it felt normal. And I already had like a foundation of a lot of the tools that to, you know, have a successful polyamorous relationship. I didn't run into a lot of like snafus with like, you know, hiding things or, you know, poor communication or, you know, things like, or, you know, poor scheduling, those things didn't really happen too often. So, yeah. Well, you, you also said too, that it wasn't all rainbows and sunshine. Are you willing to talk a little bit about what some of your struggles were the last seven years? So for the most part, the struggles have been minimal, except like at times where they're like, There was one struggle that was kind of ongoing for what seemed like a a very long time, uh, probably over a year. This like prop, it was an ongoing problem. And it was, I don't want to dive too much into it just to respect the privacy of those involved, but it was essentially a situation of, I don't personally, I do not like vetoes. I don't really believe in vetoes at all, but it was a situation where I found myself conflicted because there was a part, a person that my partner was interested in that I was like very much against, not even because I didn't want him dating her. I just, just the, how I knew her and how we already existed. It just didn't mesh with our, they were like someone in my professional life. And I did not want that to like, mix in with my personal life yeah and there were other things that were very concerning but basically like that issue kind of boiled down to you know having a conversation and really like it was hard for me because it was hard to like really open up about how I felt especially since I don't want to tell you no don't do this thing all I can really tell you is like you doing this thing, it makes me feel like really bad. And I like, I'm not going to tell you not to do it, but like, know that it makes me feel this way. And also coming to understand, like, I feel like, you know, you doing this thing, like it got to a point where it was just like, I feel like I felt like it almost felt like I wasn't being heard and they didn't want to give me that impression at all. So we ended up like really having a deep heart to heart about that. And it pretty much like it got, it was, we pretty much came to the same agreement and it was fine for the most part. This third party, there were some other problems I had with them down the road, but that's totally separate. But 
it was yeah it was a whole thing it was it was a thing but yeah yeah and i thank you for sharing like the the amount of detail you did on it and i think what you said was really super important which is that you didn't want to say you can't do this but what you were left with is this is how it makes me feel now you get to make a decision about how you want to proceed and i think that's a really kind of powerful way to go about it very much so yeah i agree i think it's I think it was good for like, because I think there are goods and bads to that thing just because I think it was good for that moment at that time. But I don't think it's something that people should use all the time because then it be- can become like very like manipulatory. Like for sure you doing this makes me feel this. So don't do it. Like, yeah. Yeah. The, or the, you're making me feel sad again, but keep doing it if you want to keep making me feel sad. Right. Right. Like, yeah. it, Right. That's going to be very manipulative. So I would say it's something to use, like, when you absolutely feel like you have no other choice and, like, something where you feel like this, like, our relationship is going to break if this continues. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thank you for clarifying yeah. that as no, it's well. Yeah. A, it's a super important point. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you, I guess I was curious, right now, you said you have a few partners that are all long distance, correct? Mm-hmm. And how do you handle, like, I know there's a lot of people out there in long distance relationships. Do you have any tips for, like, for handling those type relationships long distance? Communicate when you can, you know, see each other, Zoom if you can. I mean, it's, I feel like it's something that you're going to have to work out with your partner, but also like, like, yes, schedule things, but like, don't be heartbroken if schedules can't be always met but schedules are very important i think if you make a commitment to be somewhere a certain time you should honor that i think there always should be space for flexibility but like never take advantage of that Mm -hmm. let me see invest in a bluetooth toy (laughs) (laughs) that's a great meaning that they can control it wirelessly from anywhere in the country or world i suppose yes anywhere as long as you have an internet connection and Wi-Fi or well, Bluetooth rather, yeah. and your phone has an internet connection, then yeah. you're good to go anywhere around the world for most most of them. Yes. Well, we will have to get a. Well, we'll have you send us a link to one. Do you have one in your store that we can put a link to? Sure. Yeah, I can. I have several, so I'll get you a list. I'll send you a list. Cool. Perfect. Yeah, and we'll put links in there, and then people can go. Go get yeah, on that. That's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, I just think uh, uh, communicate, communicate, communicate. You know, don't be af- like, you know, send random, you know, if you're comfortable with it, send random, you know, nudes. Like, hey, just thinking about you. Here's a, here's a nude. And, you know, that can make someone's day or just like a picture of anything. It does like, here's my cat. Yeah, so right. <laughs> Which, by the way, we've seen, which we've seen running around in the back playing with the curtain. So it's <laughs> yeah. adorable. <laughs> yeah. She's cute that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, I think that's perfect. Yeah, the spontaneity, the, the random surprises yeah. really help keep that sort of spark alive, especially if you, if you do have to be at a distance. And also something I think that's really cute is like sending letters. Send them that's right. letter. Everyone loves mail. Everyone loves yeah. getting mail. Send them a letter. That's a wonderful idea, too. Yeah. Go old school because, yeah, then it takes time to get there. And if they want to reply, it takes time to get back to you. And it's just kind of fun. Yeah. And you can, like, you know, put things in there, put, like, a flower or something. I don't know. And send flowers. 
do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. That's good. The other question I had was, you know, you said at the beginning, the way you got into non-monogamy was not what you would recommend. Do you have thoughts of like what you would recommend people try if, if they were starting out? Or if you were to go back in time and do it again? Yeah. So, hmm. I'd probably read more books first. I'd probably read uh, The Ethical Slut, like I did. I'd also add a designer relationship to that reading list. I'd probably get to know more people who are already in the community as much as I can. Probably I'd try to find, get a better understanding of like what polyamory or ethical non-monogamy or, you know, relationship anarchy, whatever Uh, And try to get an actual idea of what that looks like. Maybe try to find some situations that maybe are similar to mine. Try to really understand myself first before making that dive into. And I think anybody should do that before they get into any relationship. You should probably have a good handle on who you are as a person. uh, Know your boundaries. Know what you will and won't put up with. Or, you know, things that you you know, want out of a relationship, knowing those things will be very helpful down the road. Always be willing to self-reflect, I think, is a really uh, big deal. Um, And also, don't be afraid to speak up. I think a really big um, lesson that I had to learn over time is to, like, speak up and really say, like, how I was feeling and, like, not be afraid of, like, this person is going to leave me or they're not going to like me because if I tell them, if I tell them who I really am, or if I tell them, you know, this thing, this problem that I'm having, they're going to get scared away. Mm -hmm. And, you know, coming to, if I was, had already surpassed that kind of thinking, I think a lot of problems and issues probably could have been negated, but yeah, if I could do it over again, those are some things that I would do. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been able to continue your exploration on the kink side of things? Yes. So I feel like, yes, but more recently, I don't want to say I've stopped exploring. I won't say that. But at the same time, obviously, things need to take a pause and with like COVID and everything. But of course, yeah. And also, I feel like that I've been kind of either in kink or kink adjacent for like the last, what feels like over like five to seven years. So I feel kind of seasoned and especially like, you know, it even got so far was like I was working, like I was managing an adult shop in Philadelphia. And then I was working for kink.com for a little bit. And then like I moved to LA. So I've always been kink adjacent. And I just feel like at this point, I don't want to say I'm not bored, but I'm just like, okay, I feel like the seasoned kinkster at this point, like not too seasoned. I'm not like I do everything or anything like that, but like, I just feel like, okay, I've seen all of the things I've went, you know, I've even, you know, I'm in the background on one of the shoots on kink.com, just, you know, not performing or anything, but I'm a background extra. And it's just like, you know, once you do that, it's just like, okay, I've done all the things. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Are there things Amazing. left? Are there things left that you haven't explored, whether they're kink or not? Relationship that you, or... Yeah, that you yeah. are excited to explore? Well, hmm, things I'm excited to explore. 
I want to, so I'm starting to, I'm really coming to terms with like my queerness and bisexuality. So I'm really excited to explore that, especially like moving into this new place where there are a lot of queer, where there's a very big queer community. I'm very excited to explore that. Again, things have taken a big back seat because of COVID. So like, I'm just, I'm not as focused on relationships and dating as I was maybe last year. Sure. But I am very excited to, you know, have a more a sapphic lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah. I, and you touched on your queerness and stuff. That's something I'm assuming you haven't gotten the chance to explore too much until more recently. Not, not really. So I've always, hmm, I want to say, especially once I got into polyamory, I was very, I pretty much opened myself up to like, okay, I don't think I'm straight. Like I pretty much accepted, okay, you're not straight. But as far as actually exploring that side, it's been only a few cases over the last few years. So um, I haven't really like had a relationship with a woman or anything like that. So I'm excited to explore that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and maybe, and you've touched on this a few times as well about COVID has really put a damper on things. And, and we, we know, we know that's true for a lot of people. How, how are you approaching dating and keeping yourself healthy and safe right now throughout this crazy ass time we're living in? So I think right now I've pretty much like, I've tried to date, especially like being in a new place and not knowing a whole bunch of people, you know, you usually the first thing people turn to is like dating. And I've tried like, you know, the dating apps and things like that. And I've tried a couple times to maybe like go on a date and see if we click and usually not much else happens after that point. So it's just like, okay, rather than doing that all over and over and over again, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait and i'm just like not really seeing too many people right now at this time so right you're meaning that it's like too risky to go out with multiple different people to try and make it work or you just got burned out maybe a little both i just feel like i'm kind i'm getting to this point where i'm like kind of bored with it but also it's just like to be doing something that i'm going to be bored with why keep doing it with different people who I don't know and I don't know like their habits or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. It's an extra level of risk. Yeah. That makes yeah. total sense. It's like yeah. risk versus reward. So yeah. 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 That makes a lot of sense. For sure. Are you out in to, to a lot of people in your life? or how, how do you handle yeah. that? Let's see if they can get me to shut up about it. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm pretty every, I'm very open about who I am. I'm very I don't try to hide it. I I don't hide it at all. I think I'm going in the future, depending on like where I work, I'm going to probably be less open about it. Not to say that I was like shouting it at the rooftops, but it's probably going to be something I don't bring up at all. It's not like a first day on the job, kind of like put it on your application thing, right? Like, I mean, working at a sex shop, it's fine to tell everyone. Working for kink, it was fine. But like uh, corporate America or anything, like if I ever end up in a job that's like very corporate or stuffy, that's probably not very creative leaning. 
then I would probably, you know, keep it to myself. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Have you received any pushback at all from people? A couple family members. A couple family members. One in particular, she was just like, you know, well, don't you want to, like, settle with one person? And, like, don't you want to have someone to just share your life with? And I'm just like, I can still do those things. But also, like, I always thought it was weird to expect one person to meet all of your wants and needs and for you to be the one person that meets all of their wants and needs. And I always thought that was kind of a weird concept. That's probably why getting into non-monogamy was so, was normal to me. Because the idea of monogamy always seemed weird to me. Not to say that it's not right for some people. I'm not saying that. Just saying it wasn't right for me. Yeah. I think you were talking about pushback that where people said it wasn't, wasn't for them. Right. Yeah. If it's like, as far as like pushback, like I'm just like, well, I mean, I've very much always been like a different strokes for different folks kind of person and put most pushback. Like once the main person I was worried about pushing back was like my mom. And when I told her, I remember we were like out to lunch and I like came out as like poly and queer at the same time. And she was just like, Okay, like she told me she tried being poly once. She told me <laughs> she tried it, but and I was just like, oh, "What?" She was like, "Yeah, it wasn't for me." But I was just like, "Okay." I thought it was like in my brain, I had it, this huge deal, like she was gonna freak out, but she didn't. That was the only person I really. That's the only person who uh, whose opinion really matters to me, right? So I mean, like, don't get me wrong, there are other people whose opinions are very important. But, like, as far as, like, if I'm going to, like, do a life-altering thing or not, right. her opinion yeah. matters the most. Right. But other right. than that, I, I'm, I usually, I've, and again, especially going through life in the body that I'm in as, like, a fat black woman, it's just, like, it gets to a point where you just can't care about what people think or else you're going to drive yourself crazy and be depressed all the time. And it's just, like, you just can't care. So this was one more thing to add to the list of like, I don't care what people think about this. This is who I am. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not an easy place to get to. I mean, I think a lot of us struggle with that without, you know, having to come up against the, you know, the same things that you've just described. And so do you have any tips or strategies that you use to get to a point where you could say, I don't care. And I'm sure there is times too now where you still like, as much as you don't want to care, you do care and it does impact you. Right. Like we're not perfect. Right. And I think like, and honestly, I don't know if I should be saying this, but like, you know, fake it till you make it is a very, very uh, powerful thing because it's like, again, it's like the, I guess like the power of suggestion. Like if you keep telling yourself this thing, then like, it's going to be true. If you tell it to yourself, for long enough, then it's going to be true. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I think confidence is a very, like, it's not one of these things that you just have. It's something you have to keep working at. There are going to be times where your confidence takes a hit and you're going to have to rebuild those areas. But like, if you keep, you know, if you keep going and if you keep going, you know, you'll get there, you know, you yeah. got to start somewhere, but you'll get there as long as you keep at it. Yeah. And like you mentioned, it's, it's a process and it's a, it's a 
continual process too. Even if you get there, like you, you'll get, you might get set back at different times and you got to push past that. And I think it's pretty common for a lot of people to struggle with that. Yeah. But, but what you said about the fake it till you make it, like that's super powerful. I mean, the, you can, you know, I've read lots of studies about you walk around smiling all the time and that can just by doing that can make you happier. Like just by pretending to be happier every day, it, it starts to actually take effect. So. Yes, it does. And um, also, one thing that um, really helped me just to get through life is just that to understand that, like, if you have a problem and you can solve it, then boom, you don't have a problem. You just got to solve it. Boom, you're done. But if you have a problem and you cannot solve it, then nine times out of ten, it's something that you have no control over and thus should not be worried about. And you have to let that go because you have problems that you can solve that you do need to be worried about. Mm -hmm. And that's like, that is also another thing that you have to like, you know, repeat to yourself that like, if it's not in your power to control, it is not your problem to worry about. Yeah. And, and one of those things is what other people think of you. You can't, you can't control that. So you just have to be the best version of yourself and let them think what they'll think. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. So thank you for Very sharing powerful. that. That's awesome. Yeah. I had a couple of questions sure. that are that are not part of the normal conversation because yeah. we veered off a little bit. Well, we don't have too many people who've worked at kink.com. <laughs> and we and we have taken we have taken the tour before they closed down what it wasn't called the annex. What was it called? The armory. The armory. Yes, That's what yes, I was yes. been like thinking about that for like the last 30 minutes trying to think of the word. <laughs> so we toured the armory back. In like 2015. So like, I was just curious, what is one of the craziest or maybe a couple of the craziest things you ever saw while you were working there? Just purely (gasps) because I'm nosy. Okay. I'm sorry to disappoint. I arrived at Kink after they uh, sold uh, the armory. So (sighs) the filming was no longer in-house. So I didn't see much. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's always, there was always a lot of porn on my screen. Just like, (laughs) purposes but to kind of um answer your question one of the i guess i went to they have this channel the upper floor and the shoots for that were still happening locally and i went to a couple of those and those were always interesting events because they would have actual performers and then they would have like the lifestylers who were there and they were comfortable you know doing kink on camera because the whole objective of this of this channel is like to be like a a orgy or like a club a kink club like if you go into a kink club this is kind of like the backdrop for this channel and that was interesting that was always interesting i don't know how much i was i don't know how much detailed i can go but like there were a lot of things yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's fine. I'm just, I was just curious because, like, you're one of the first people who's really, like, worked in porn adjacent or yeah, right. more or less. So <laughs> I just thought it would be curious because when we toured the, the armory, like, there was some wild and crazy stuff oh, just yeah. around. So, yeah. Yeah, like props and stuff. Like, uh, right. I know. Uh, so we did, they did keep some of the props from the armory. Like, there was, like, a St. Andrew's Cross. On the first in the lobby, um, as well as like I don't know the I don't know the actual term, but it was a bed and it had like a cage underneath. So uh-huh. there was that, and they would use some of those. They wouldn't. Well, 
they might use like the bed for like workshops and stuff but like yeah other than that yeah it was decorative in the office yeah decorative (laughs) things usually oh they had they had some of the stills from the shoots they had turned into like beautiful oil paintings wow and they would hang throughout (laughs) throughout the office and it was funny because it would be like you know, there was one this like massive oil painting. Like it looked like it belonged in like a museum, and it was a massive oil painting that would take like an entire wall. And it was just like of like a gay orgy, and it's just like a bunch of men fucking, and it's just like cool, and it's just hanging <laughs> in the office, <laughs> just over the water cooler where you're just wetting your whistle a little bit yeah and, and, and there was more artwork just like that but it was just like really cool it was really yeah. cool yeah yeah that awesome. was awesome <laughs> oh yeah it'd be really cool fascinating to look through too i mean just the armory was so yeah 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 do you have other kink.com questions no i was just curious about that i didn't i just thought it would be a fun one That's to ask because we don't get that we don't get that opportunity very often so yeah well. no, that was a good idea I wanted to give you a chance to plug your work and everything you're doing right now. Okay. So right now, my main focus has been on my website, Decadent Devices. And uh, that's Decadent, the letter D, and then the word vices.com. And it's basically a shop. And my goal with this was to create a web store that was welcoming to all, all people and all bodies and all body types in all genders just because a lot of a lot of I was tired of seeing like websites and they do a lot of like for him for her and it's like these toys don't necessarily apply in those categories to everybody and it can be like kind of disheartening for some people when they go and they want to shop so I wanted to create a place where people can shop and they don't you know have to feel like they're being gendered or they're being misgendered um, more importantly so that's kind of like my pet project right now. Yeah, so I'm just doing that as well as I'll be uh, soon. I hope to be getting back to shooting a video for the website, just like doing like toy explainers and things like that. So I hope to get back to that very shortly. I've taken a break for a little bit, but I hope to get back to that very soon. Um, right now I'm having um, it's a sale for October. Every day something's on sale or you're getting savings on your entire purchase. I guess that part won't matter since this is coming out in November. Yeah, but I'm sure there'll be other sales. And yeah. we'll, we'll definitely, yeah. again, we're going to put links to everything so people can find you and works. And I'll definitely be making a code for you guys. Okay. Awesome. So we'll do, I'm not sure what the code will be just yet. That's okay. We can, yeah. we can we'll put it in the intro. So it's, it's yeah. all good. Okay, great. But yeah, I'll, I'll send you the code for that. And it'll probably be like 10 or 15% off to your Perfect. listeners but if they sign up for email they'll get an extra ten dollars off cool very cool that's awesome well yeah. thank you for that no how, how long ago did you start the website uh the end of may oh, oh wow, wow. So, it's so it's new yeah brand new yeah. our my instagram is at decadent the letter d word vices on instagram um decadent devices so spelled a little differently We'll get again. We'll put links for everything so people can come find you and support your work because that's amazing. So yeah, and thank you so much for the work you're doing to create that space that you saw a missing piece and you're like, I can do this, and that's that's amazing. So thank you. 
Well, thank you for the recognition. Thank you for allowing me to, you know, come on the show and talk about it. Yeah. No, it's our pleasure. And and thank you for sharing your story with us. It's a powerful one and we're excited to get it out there and share with everybody like your journey because that's uh, we just we found over and over that it's just so powerful. So thank you for that. And yeah, we're excited. Before we let you go, is there anything else you'd like to share? Not that I can think of. I don't I don't think so. You've dropped a lot of wisdom on us, so we, I know we can't. We were just trying to ring a little extra. <laughs> you know, be be good to each other. That's that's it. That's perfect. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's so true. Well, thank you again, Imani. We're excited, and we'll let you get on with your evening. Yeah, have a great <laughs> evening. You guys have a great one. And we're back. Finn is looking at me ridiculously. Well, I just <laughs> wanted to say thank you, a huge thank you to Imani, and a huge apology to Imani for uh, we struggled to to really label the store that she's built. So. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, please go check out her store, Deccan Devices. The links are in the show notes. It is incredible. We've checked it out, and she also mentioned a couple of toys. Uh, Bluetooth toys that you can activate from anywhere in the world. So we threw a couple of links in there for those as well so you don't have to go hunting. Yes. Thank you so much, Imani, for coming on and being vulnerable and sharing your story. We love talking to you and are so excited to get this out there. Yep. Uh, A couple of things we said in the intro that we were going to tell you a little more about Patreon. So again, a huge, huge thank you to anybody who's part of the Patreon community. We absolutely love it ourselves, and we have a great time. It's growing. We're over 130, mem- 130 members at this point. So that's so exciting, and it's it's just really taking off. So what we do with Patreon is we have a couple of different tiers. At the base level, you basically get access to a monthly Q&A with us and a handful of other, well, anybody who logs in, really. Yeah, and anybody really, who wants to join us. It's just a time to support each other. What's going on in your life? Do you need help with anything? Can you help anybody? So it's really just a, a community building thing. Our November Q&A is tonight, Wednesday, November 18th. Now, if you miss it, we'll have one in December, so don't worry. Other things we do the next tier for Patreon, you get access to our MeWe chat group, which is a wonderful, supportive community. Uh, And we also have women's and men's groups. Um, The next women's call is December 9th, and the men's group will be announced soon. They just had their call for November yesterday. So, that all, all of that information is on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the Patreon tab. And maybe just a quick note while, while we got your ear uh, about the men's and women's groups and sort of the, the heteronormativity and binariness. Yeah. I don't think that's a word either. No, making up lots of words today. And but, who, who knows? Maybe that could be a word. It probably is a word. Uh, but basically, we, we understand that it's not ideal and we... Uh, again, please reach out to us if you can think of a better way to sort of describe these. What we want them to be, though, is a, a community or spaces that are open and feel safe to anybody, uh, regardless of gender. And really, um, we've we've talked about this in both groups, that it, they are open to anybody. And the point there is to make people feel welcome where they feel that they belong. Exactly. Uh, we don't we don't necessarily have experience ourselves creating like, for instance, a non-binary group. It's not a community that we necessarily fall into. So if that is you and you want that space created, we would love to help you do that. We will definitely facilitate it and we will make it happen. So please reach out to us, head over to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. 
send us a voicemail, send us an email, get in touch with us, um, and we'll make it happen. Yes. And before we let you go, we wanted to also mention that we do have monthly meet and greets. They're virtual. And we had our last one last week. It was amazing. We had a great turnout. And our next one will be December 12th. Now, these virtual meet, greet, virtual meet and greets are open to everyone. They're not just for Patreon members. They're $10. And they're a chance to meet a wide array of different types of people on the call. And you have a few minutes to talk and talk about a certain subject and then or a talking point that we give you or whatever you want to talk about, honestly. We also have icebreakers throughout and it's just, it's a really fun time. So we'd encourage you to check them out. Again, our next one is December 12th and you can sign up at our website under the meet and greet, meet and greet tab. And I think it's probably best that we wrap this up because we're both struggling a little bit to get the words out. And uh, we just wanted to say thank you to everybody for listening. Again, thank you to Imani for sharing her story and to Jeff for creating amazing work. Yes, go check out the Romantic Chorus movie and and with that oh remember if you didn't already listen to chloe and drew's episode uh part one it was episode 87 nope 89 damn it i thought i remembered (laughs) episode 89 uh go ahead and listen to that so you are ready to rock and roll for next week when we actually have chloe and drew part two yes (laughs) okay i think that's it that's all yeah just 400 minutes of intros and outros bye everyone thanks for listening